0: It, it seems counterintuitive, but now is the time to get clarity on your why. Like, why are you in business? Why are you doing what you're doing? What are your real goals? Because it's only if you have that kind of clarity can you, one, spread that to others so they understand why it's important that the business do well. And two, to actually be able to have equanimity to make it through.
1: Welcome to Jefferson Parish Pulse, powered by Jedco, a podcast designed to showcase the businesses, organizations, and individuals that make up the heartbeat of the Jefferson Parish economy. I'm Kelsey Scram. I hope all of you are staying safe and healthy these days. Jefferson Parish is home to a vibrant technology community. The IT industry continues to grow and thrive in this region, and it is in large part due to our incredible business leaders. A few years ago, Jedco launched the Jefferson Technology Alliance, a dedicated group of tech leaders in Jefferson Parish that come together quarterly to discuss the important issues related to the IT industry. Workforce development, access to fiber, advocacy for legislative priorities. It is an important group that is helping to shape the future of Jefferson Parish. Today, I am delighted to share an interview with one of our Jefferson Technology Alliance members. Neil Suss is the founder and CEO of Susco, a dynamic software developer based in Jefferson Parish. Neil is very engaged with our organization. Not only does he serve on the Jeff Tech Alliance, but he has participated as a judge and a sponsor of the Jedco Challenge and our Prosper Jefferson Seminar Series on multiple occasions. Neil and I talked about the importance of an entrepreneurial ecosystem, the trends he's seeing in the tech industry as they relate to the pandemic, and the importance of company culture and engagement, especially right now. Neil offers excellent advice for work that all business leaders should be doing in this moment and shares his thoughts on community resilience and success. This was an illuminating conversation, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Neil, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it.
0: Oh yeah, thank you for having me, I'm excited.
2: Well first, I, I've been asking this of, of everybody that we've been um, interviewing, how are your friends, how are your family, how is everybody doing, how are you? How is everybody doing during this uh, this kind of uncertain time?
0: Yeah, so it's a good question. Uh, I would say, speaking of friends and family first, uh, I've been very lucky, I don't. Re- no one's really uh, had major issues with COVID, I've had some friends who had light cases, uh, my, old, my parents who are older, they're totally in quarantine. North Carolina, they're totally fine. Okay. Uh, wife and kids are great. Uh, I would say the, the biggest impact we've had is my kids definitely uh, at home when I was working from home. They definitely didn't have enough schoolwork, so I tell you that much. And then with, uh, with other members of the family who will remain unnamed, They definitely got cabin fever after not seeing their friends for two weeks. So it was really good once we could socialize, like outside the house. It was very good for sus family equanimity. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, but it's funny because I've been rather unfazed by this. And I think it's interesting. I I spent a lot of time in 2016, uh, you know, when I was 39, had a bit of a midlife crisis and I did a lot of reassessments and wellness. And so to be frank, on a personal level, it's been pretty easy for me. Um, I mean obviously I have a sense of sorrow for those who are suffering. Of course. As far as my own my own interstate's just been great, you know. So I'm I'm very, very happy about that.
2: Well, that's good. I'm I'm glad to hear that everybody's safe and healthy and that it hasn't been it's it's such a I mean, I just think nobody nobody could have expected what 2020 was going to look like. Oh. And it's been <laughs> it's just yeah. it's been very different for a lot of different people. So I'm really, really glad to hear that your family and that you everybody is doing well. So um oh, thanks. Well, I, I have a lot of questions here, and I know we're or we don't. I don't want to keep you all day, so <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to sure. dive in here. And first, I want to talk about, about Susco. Can, can you tell us a little bit about the company?
0: Yeah, sure. So we are a 15-year-old software development company with a focus on Microsoft technologies. Um, we our core purpose is to enable people to contribute in more fulfilling and meaningful ways, and we do that by uh, transforming organizations' intuitive software. Um, Our software frees people from tedious work, removes painful recurring costs, and allows organizations to control their own data and workflow and user experience. We're mainly working with organizations between about 200 and 5,000 people um, across industry sectors with a lot of depth in insurance and construction, specifically shipbuilding, and frankly, any um, company with a significant mobile workforce. Great.
2: Yeah, we're we're big fans of Susco over at Jedco, uh, we'll talk about this in a little bit. But we work with you in, in a in a number of capacities, and we we just think you guys are so great. So, um, thanks. Did did you always want to be a, a a tech entrepreneur? Did you always want to be running your own tech company?
0: No, actually, I I guess in a lot of ways in life I've been a bit of a late bloomer. Um, you know, my undergrad. Was you know pre-med and mechanical engineering with the intent of being a doctor. I took organic chemistry and discovered I didn't want to memorize for the next twelve years. So, so. I did engineering, which was my fallback ma- major because I'm pretty decent at math. And um, I ended up at Avondale Shipyards uh, in '99, and I was a test engineer. And I remember I was going through the sewage system diagram on the ship so we could you know calculate failure points, et cetera. And I was like, I really don't care about the flow rate of poop through pipes. And so that ended up, I ended up switching from uh, from doing engineering to project finance at Avondale. And so I was there for five years and our core, our core um, reason for existence was to be able to look at the work in progress. Like when you're building a billion dollar warship, you wanna know before you spend a billion dollars whether or not you're gonna overrun. Right. So similar similar to a house, you can have a million dollar budget for a house and you can be halfway done with the budget, but not be halfway done with the work. Right. And the way you can predict that is through a system called earned value that only works if your individual work tickets uh, are properly spread out the the budget of the work. And what was happening was these things called work orders. They're written by hand. Right. So if you imagine a billion dollar warship takes 30,000 work orders. They're being written by hand and put into a mainframe. And so our team was spending all of its time trying to clean up data. And, uh, cause there were all these errors where there would be start dates after the finish dates, they'd be blowing the budgets. So I taught myself programming so I could create an electronic work order system for these industrial engineers to use. And I remember when they started using it, one of the people there like started to tear up and, uh, I was like, well, what, are you okay? He goes, well, you know, we're gonna finally not get yelled at every day for doing this incorrectly. And so while the software created a lot of value for the organization, it was like that personal impact yeah. was really moving to me. And so I was at Avadale for five years. I was actually in a leadership position most of the time within project finance, but I always served as our own programmer on the side. Because when you're in a big company like that and you have a need for a departmental application that maybe be only 10 or 20 users, they don't have time for you. So you have a lot of what's called like rogue developers and I was one of those. Um, so I just fell in love with software that improved processes and uh, Katrina happened. And before I just been doing some work on the side, you know, just cause I'm an ambitious guy, even, you know, so it, as of 2005, uh, January, I was doing work on the side just for fun. But if you had asked me what I'd be doing in 10, 20 years, I'd said, oh, I'd be a VP of, of process improvement. I would probably be living in San Diego or DC for like a Lockheed or Boeing, et cetera. Yeah. And then Katrina happened. And possibly because of the influence of uh, some of my clients who are very mentoring oriented entrepreneurs, I decided to become part of whatever was going to happen here. And uh, very romantic, you know, very romantically fell in love with the idea of being part of, the you know rebirth, if you will, of New Orleans post Katrina, and that's how I ended up starting Susco full time.
2: I, I love that story. I love your connection to Avondale. That's it's always really um,
0: yeah. It's
2: always really neat to hear people who who talked about working there. Yeah, you know before before it um, became what it is today. And I mean now we have a uh, you know a new um, uh, property owner there, and there's a lot of exciting things happening. But Avondale yeah. sort of has this very like iconic name attached to it so I love that you started there but I also think it's really interesting through this podcast I've talked to a lot of um entrepreneurs and business owners who have cited Hurricane Katrina as being the reason that their business took off or or started yeah. or that they kind of switched directions so I always find that really fascinating too. Um, yeah, it's
0: an inflection point, you know.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really it's really really interesting and I'm not I'm not from down here originally. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and I was in college <laughs> when Katrina hit. My family actually moved down here moved to Baton Rouge like right before Katrina hit. And so right, I was moving right. into my dorm and like watching Hurricane Katrina come and I was like, "Oh my gosh, like well, this is so insane." So it's it's yeah, so, so, so fascinating to see the people who have lived here and have gone through it and to see what has come out of
0: it. You know, you know, it's funny. I wonder if a subsection of the New Orleans population is more resilient to COVID because of dealing with the trauma of, of uh, yeah. Katrina. Yeah. You know, it, it was a war zone. I remember coming. My wife was a resident at the time. And I remember I, I came into the city early, only like a week or two out, so she could go back to auctioner and uh, work. And seeing Humvees on the street, nothing else, yeah. and all this destruction. And it was like, wow, so this is life now. But we bounced back pretty quickly. You know, we still have a ways to go, but it's been amazing. Yeah. Really.
2: Yeah, and I do think you're right. With We are a very resilient. This community is very resilient. And again, that right. is another one of those things that I've heard over and over again as I've been talking to businesses, especially this season, just because it's all about you know, how we're bouncing back from COVID. So I like to hear that. That's, that's, um, it's heartening for sure. What compelled,
0: what compelled you to stay?
2: Well, I, so funny story, I was a TV reporter in Baton Rouge for not very long, about three years. And I met my husband while I was in Baton Uh, Rouge. And yeah, yeah, so we, and and you know, I think when I moved to New Orleans, I really, Fell fell in love. Like I, I love this area so much. I I just really think there's something so unique and special about this area that not a lot of other places in the country have. So I I re- and I love Jedco. I mean, I've been with Jedco almost eight years now, and. Yeah. Yeah, it's just is a really, really good organization, and I get to do cool things like host a podcast. So, yeah. so it's, been, That's awesome. it's been really wonderful. I, I want to talk about you as an entrepreneur. You've got this wonderful vision, and I've always noted your excitement around the startup culture in the greater New Orleans region, and you just even talked about it. Um, you've been a judge for the Jetco Challenge for a few years. You've just been very engaged with with what this community is doing. So. Can you talk about how important it is to have a supportive culture for our up-and-coming
0: businesses? Yeah, I mean, I think it's immensely important if you think about job creation and where it comes from. A lot of it comes from these small companies. Uh, I think there are a couple of main drivers here. You know, one, you shouldn't have to learn all the mistakes the hard way, right? And so I was lucky enough to be part of an accelerator program within a, bus- a year of starting my business by, uh, e- that EO ran. And while I made a ton of mistakes, there's also an equal number I avoided just from experience sharing with other people or just getting mentoring and things like that. And so I think it's important, you know, to be able to learn that way. Um, and the second thing is, you know, it's lonely out there, right? So if you're an entrepreneur um, and you're starting something, and let's just say like me, I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs. I come from a family of professionals, doctors, engineers, etc. When you don't have you know, entrepreneurs in your family or your core friend group, you know, A, you don't really know who to talk to about some of these issues you have. I mean, the last thing you're gonna do is worry your spouse with everything, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And 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 it's certainly hyper irresponsible to talk to your employees about these things, right? Uh, I mean, there's one thing, one aspect of entrepreneurship and being a good leader is the appropriate amount of transparency, right? So that you're not being disingenuous, but at the same time, one of the burdens that you've chosen to bear as an employer, is that you're saying, hey, I'm going to deal with the cognitive impact of the risk and make, make sure it works, right? So you can't talk to them. And so by having a system, uh, being able to meet mentors, being judged in competitions where you form relationships with the people there, be probably the judges, anyone around, I just think it's hyper important there to have that bond. Uh, and also, you know, there's um, the, the PR aspect of it, right? So every time there's a competition, you know, that creates more buzz around it. And it's kind of a, like a flywheel effect, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You've done this a couple of years for us, and it was unfortunate we actually had to cancel the challenge this year just because, obviously, of the pandemic, and we we weren't really sure what that was going to look like. But you know, we're we're so appreciative of your time and 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 the work that you've done to help those businesses.
0: No, no, thank you for saying that. But I will say this: I mean, I I, I find it very rewarding. You know, I think that I'm a big believer in, uh, you know, paying it forward. And also just kind of what goes around comes around. I just think you got to, if you're expecting to get a lot out of the universe and out of life, you have to give to get it, so.
2: Absolutely. Well, one of the things I think people don't realize, and this kind of ties in with the challenge because we've had a couple of really cool tech companies come through like Dig, the dog person's dating app. I think you were there yep. for that one where she's, you know, uh, Lee Isaacson, uh, yep. We've had rent check. We've had um, indoors. A lot of tech companies come through the challenge, uh, the, the pitch competition. And One of the things that I think people don't realize is that Jefferson Parish has a very robust IT and technology industry. Can, can you talk about that a little bit?
0: Well, yeah. I think that you know, you've got an environment where there's a lot of options for office space that are both safe and affordable. Uh, I think the geography is amazing in terms of you know you have the economic activity in the North Shore, and then you have New Orleans, the West Bank, and I feel like it's rather centrally located in that regard. Um, honestly, the the supportiveness of organizations like Jedco and the Chamber, and getting that support is huge, the government's friendly uh, to business. I just think yeah, I just think it's I would say there. And I, and also, this kind of relates to geography, but you know significant percent of the people we hire, are already living in Jefferson Parish, right? So the workforce there's a there's a workforce element to it also.
2: That's um, great. I love to hear that.
0: Yeah.
2: And I I think that ties in a little bit with my next question, which is that you serve on the Jefferson Technology Alliance, which is something that Jedco put together a couple of years ago now, I think it's a it's a group of local mm-hmm. tech leaders that come together to discuss topics related to industry growth like workforce development, legislative policies, um, and all of these businesses, all of these business owners, all of the businesses that are represented are from Jefferson Parish, which I absolutely love. I think it's so cool. And I, I've had the privilege to get to sit in on some of those meetings and really hear what you guys are talking about. And yeah. it's, it's incredible. Like I, I just, I love it so much. And I just, I wanna ask why you think it is so important to have this kind of regular communication with your peers and, and what it means to have a group like this in our community
0: yeah so a couple things I would say you know one it creates value I think for Jefferson Parish and for Jedco so w- w- where you can see the common patterns and needs from the alliances' perspective right so is it so is it Neil that's saying that you know there's a challenge with workforce or is there a challenge with workforce everyone agrees on I think that's one big element to it's a, it's a good sampling to figure mm-hmm. out what the, what the truth is right I think another big element for our benefit um, is going back to the empathy thing, but also you know there's a concept. The word compete, right, is actually Latin. Comes from Latin. It's to strive together. And the idea is that being together allows us to kind of incrementally get better because there's still idea sharing. And that's one thing I like about tech. I don't think it exists in all industries. I think a lot of us have a pretty uh, have a abundance mentality, right, where we don't think there's like a finite, uh, number of ways to win. And so I find that even if I'm in a room, all of competitors or people who are tangentially related, there's always great conversations. You're always talking about tips on how to better, you know, do hiring processes, uh, you know, how to deal with contracts, just our common needs tend to weigh way more than the fact that we're competing in the same market. Mm -hmm. And so I think, uh, I think that's huge. You know, um, that educational element that we get from each other.
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I totally agree. And again, that those conversations are are so enlightening for the Jedco staff, and, and really help us to identify what our priorities should be. Because the the tech industry uh, is is one of our uh, one of our targeted industries. So the, the right. our goal is to grow this industry and and make it bigger and better. And as, as the best it can be, really. So I mean, it's right. it's really great that you guys give your time and and get in that room with us and help us help us make our our industry better. It's fantastic. One of the things that I, I think the last call that we had, because now we're on calls, it's a Zoom calls instead of meeting in person these days, but we talked a lot about how the pandemic impacted a lot of our local industries, but that the tech industry was was not as affected as maybe some of our other industries. And I don't know if that's still true now that we're so many months into this, but can you talk about how Susco and the local tech industry uh, has fared?
0: Yeah, so I would say it really depends on the company's focus. So a lot of the technology companies, including Susco, our clients are generally businesses that are themselves B2B or their government, right? And so because of that, we haven't really seen a negative impact to our clients' revenue. And therefore, they, they haven't really looked at cutting s- spend on things like software development. Uh, as, and as a matter of fact, we you know actually uh, won some work that had been pending because one of our clients actually had more time to look at it because of COVID. And so it really hasn't impacted us. I know companies who, you know, for example, if they're working with, software around travel or software around market research or Mm -hmm. things like that. Those companies have have taken a temporary hit. I think I would say that's the major variable there and and why you see some companies not have challenges and other ones having them. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm.
2: Well, and the pandemic really led to some new trends and changes to business operations. I mean, I know for us here at Jedco, we are just slowly starting to move back into the office and we're rotating schedules and it's, it's very different than it was before when we were all in the office all the time. Yeah. Can you, can you talk about some of the trends that you're seeing as a result of the pandemic? Do you think that things will go back to the way they were before?
0: I can tell you they won't for us. So I guess I'll approach this from two buckets, right? So one would be uh, business development and the other would be culture. So from a business development point of view, I think things will start to return to normal, Especially once a vaccine comes in play. But right now, on the biz dev side, you're seeing more webinars, seeing more cold email outreach, phone outreach, because people are at home, right? Mm-hmm. You obviously are seeing less in person networking. Mm-hmm. So it's changed. It's, I think it's changed business development a lot, but I think a lot of that's temporary. On the culture side, I was always comfortable with remote work as needed. Like I've got the cable guy coming uh my spouse or kid is sick and i want to help out okay fine work from home but i've always felt that because of the how complicated our work is like we're not doing e-commerce websites like we're doing we're doing systems that run companies these are complicated processes and so i've always felt that because our projects are of a size such that we need to talk to each other a lot that we needed to be on site together otherwise we'd lose a lot of throughput and my other big concern is that a big part of the value proposition to our employees is at Susco, we are strong on culture, right? So even if somebody is not my direct report, I, I, will, I, make time, I spend time with them, which I thought was going to be harder if people were remote. So we obviously went remote when COVID hit. We went remote pretty early, about a week or two before it was mandated because I could tell people were worried about it. And productivity didn't fall at all. As a matter of fact, you know it probably went up marginally, which is pretty common because people want to prove the fact they can work remote. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we are our new policy is that you can either be your work from home, 100% of the time. You, you as an employee, choose whether you work from home or you're on site. If you're if you're on site, you need to be you you get a dedicated office space and you have to be there Monday, Wednesday, Friday, at minimum. And if you're remote, you only have to show up once a month for the social. Wow. Uh, yeah, and the one exception we're making for the culture thing is saying if you're a new hire, you have to be in the main office for six months while you. So some of the, some of the magic that happens organically can happen, mm. uh, and then you can make that decision to go work from home or not.
1: Yeah,
2: that's. I, I think I think we're gonna see that a lot more. It's been very interesting to hear that. You know, I have a lot of friends who, who are in a lot of different industries and they're also saying the same thing like maybe working from home forever or it's just working from home much more than they were before so I think this really has shed a light on that capability that I don't think businesses have had considered an option before and I do want to talk about you talked about your culture and I I think it's so important to talk about this especially because Knowing you, you've spoken at some of our Prosper Jefferson seminars on, on leadership and culture. And so I really want to have a chance to, to talk to you about what you do for, for Susco. So, um, you know, you have strong leadership values. Your company culture is fantastic. Can you talk about how you've instilled some of those values in your business, even during times of crisis and uncertainty, um, and what it will look like moving forward? I
0: would say there are a couple ways we do that. You know, one is the fact it's very important for me to understand the goals of our employees beyond what's happening at Susco. So where do they want to be in five years? What do they want their life to look like? Um, you know, it could be what they want their hobbies to look like. It could be them trying to understand what gives them meaning in life, like whatever it is, like what, you know, what is, what is some forward looking vision of your life? I'd like to understand that for each of our employees. And and I think that creates some clarity for them and clarity for us. So I think that's one thing we do. Um, so there's one-on-one coaching about life goals, just basically, um, and that's integrated into our employee assessment process. So before we even do the employee assessment, we're like, let's talk about your goals and let's talk about how, you know, your performance in different areas are affecting that. Yeah. And, uh, another thing we're big on, um, is leadership development. So there's this great platform called Wildspark, which is like $40 a month a person where everyone takes a one hour lesson on the computer uh, and it's around something I care about. So conflict management, uh, leaving a legacy, understanding personality, having grit, whatever it is, pre-canned content that I don't have to develop, thank God. And then they do an hour on their own and then flash forward two weeks in that same month and we have a team meeting but Wildspark also provides the template for the team meeting. So I I have barely any homework for it and we do a group share, and it's been awesome. So, we really enjoyed that. Um, another thing we do is we're very generous with any type of wellness discount. So, for example, we subsidize uh, meditation training, uh, we all subsidize gym memberships. Uh, I had one employee who wanted to get into running, so I got him some high end Jabra headset to make it easier. Like, you know, awesome. we pay, we, we have a company book club that's voluntary. Um, you know, we just do, you know, we're big into growth at Cisco, right? So both personally and professionally, and it's, it's, it's really important to me, you know, our, our five-year vision is to positively impact a hundred thousand plus users, but it's also to impact professionally and personally a hundred plus employees. And that's a big part of what drives me.
2: That's, that's wonderful. I I mean, all of that just sounds so great. Um, has that, has that changed any, during
1: the pandemic?
0: Right. Yeah, well, one thing obviously it's changed because now it's all of these Zoom calls. So it's been interesting, it's been interesting to have some of these intimate conversations in a group setting where it's on Zoom as opposed to in person. Mm-hmm. That's been a change to get used to. Uh, secondly, I find I'm doing more planned check-ins with people because it, there aren't gonna be as many organic water cooler check-ins. Right. So th- that's a big, that, that would be a change um, it's a little easier now because almost half the staff is working from the office. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would guess that's the, that's the big stuff. Uh, you know, because even before COVID, we've been doing things that I think help, I think help manage people's stress levels. Like for example, in our huddle, like one of the things we do is when we're talking, we do, what did you do yesterday? What are you working on today? Are you, do you have any blockers, but also something you're grateful for, and someone you're grateful for, something about that person, and the science is very clear on this. That when you express gratitude, it significantly reduces, uh, you know, your stress levels and, you know, kind of negativity and things like that. So we've had some things built in our culture, which I think have made us resilient to COVID mm-hmm. um, from go. I think all, and, you know, and I'm kind of rambling on now, but I've made it a point to try to, you know, when possible. Give little surprise gifts. Uh, for example, I can't remember what it was. It's was like a week or two in, and said, "Hey, everybody, here's gift cards to Uber Eats, so you guys can save some time cooking meals. You know, a couple meals at home with your family. You know, just to help reduce the stress level. Yeah. So that kind of stuff. You know, um, I, I would say that would be the big thing. I
2: love that. It sounds like you're a really good boss. <laughs> like you just well, I mean, it's very clear that you take care of your employees, and that's. That's, that's awesome and I think that is one of the many reasons why you guys have continued to be so successful over the years.
0: No, I appreciate that. I definitely think, I think it is reasonable to say, you know, that over the past 15 years, uh, I have discarded most of the habits that make me a, a bad boss. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, well, no, I think it's important to recognize a lot of this stuff comes from experience, comes from making a lot of mistakes. Because I can tell you one thing that does happen A bit you know so if uh, if I'm mentoring somebody about about anything if they're kind of feeling lost in their work or say their physical health etc it's easy to be like oh my god you have all your stuff together you wake up at 430 in the morning and you have all this great stuff going on at work etc but uh, and what will happen is people will say that's impossible you're just a freak that you've done all this stuff right but when the reality, if you look at my journey, it's all been incremental improvement, right? And it's just like this this constant fortification uh, and and applied discipline. And it's not some it's not some unique character trait about me. It really is just consistent applied effort and the humility to know when I'm wrong over and over and over to getting a certain result. Right. If that makes sense. No,
2: absolutely. And it's such I mean, it's a, a wonderful mindset. And I have been able to uh, um. Again, I talk. I go back to Prosper Jefferson, but you spoke last year on leadership, and you talked a lot about your journey. And I just remember being um, so impressed and inspired. I thought it was so fantastic. So it's 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 really cool that you also you don't just keep the things that you've learned to yourself. You're passing that on to your employees and to other people.
0: Right. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's I almost feel a moral imperative to. It seems kind of wrong not to, right?
2: Right. So, is there, is there anything big on the horizon, anything you, you want to share?
0: Yeah, a couple things. We, uh, one thing a lot of people don't know about us is we have a lot of depth in insurance, specifically around claims management. We have a lot of experience with independent adjusting firms and with carriers, helping them deal with arduous uh, software to integrate with, like mm-hmm. Exact, which they would know about. So that's one thing we're trying to go national with is getting insurance carrier clients outside the region because we're so good at this. Secondly, I would say, you know, we finally have gotten back into shipbuilding where we have a major uh, household name in the state that we're doing a pretty big system migration for. And so I, I'm hoping to do more shipbuilding r- related software projects mm-hmm. um, in Louisiana. And then uh, three, I would we're working on the SBA 8A certification. So you have to be, it's a federal, it's not a loan, it's a certification. And you could have to be a minority business owner to get it. Mm-hmm. Once you get it, you can compete. Uh, there are set asides for federal contracts, which of course are nationwide that you have a much smaller competition pool for. So I'm hoping to bring dollars into the region through that. So I'm very, yeah, so I'm excited on all fronts. Uh, I would say that's the, those, those are the big things.
2: That's awesome. Oh, and,
0: oh, and well, also I guess we are hiring. Look, we have to, we're we in desperate need Of uh, two senior developers, and then eventually uh, a very data strong uh, project manager slash business analyst. So that would be another piece of news. Excellent, that's
2: excellent. I love to hear that you're hiring during the pandemic. That's exciting. We love to hear that. That is so important and really exciting.
0: I've got to tell you, one of the weirdest things—I would say two of the weirdest things I've done over Zoom. Well, that I consider weird are one difficult conversations like assessments that's so i I never imagined doing that not in person right but they've gone they've really gone fine but then the second thing is interviews like it's just it's really weird um because you're in somebody's home and it's not you when they're you know it's not like you can look away like you've got the accountability of being in person you know it's it's a really odd thing so Oh, yeah, yeah anyway, it's kind of a kind of a tangent, but yeah, no, that
2: makes sense. I, I always like to ask, is there anything that you want to talk about that I haven't asked during this interview?
0: I'm Glad you asked that. If you're in a leadership position, uh, especially if you're the entrepreneur and everything is on the line, you know, and you feel that there's just too much going on, it it seems counterintuitive, but now is the time to get clarity on your why. Like, why are you in business? Why are you doing what you're doing? What are your real goals? Because it's only if you have that kind of clarity can you, one, spread that to others so they understand why it's important that the business do well. And two, to actually be able to have equanimity to make it through. It, it's hard. It's very hard. And I think if you're just in business because that's what your parents did or for cash flow, it's, going to, it's not going to buttress you against the suffering as being caused by COVID. Mm-hmm. But I think if you have clarity on why what you do gives you meaning, it's amazing what you can endure.
2: I, I love that. That is fantastic advice. And I think it it, it is advice for not just startup companies, everyone, but everybody.
0: Everyone, everyone. All, yeah, yeah, really all levels. So whether, you know, exactly. So you could be the, you know, manager, leader, developer. It doesn't really matter your role the more clear about why you do what you do 40 to 50 hours a week, the better you're, better off you are, right?
2: Yeah, so. absolutely. That's, that's wonderful. And I love, that's a great way to end this. Um, I, I'm so appreciative of your time. This has been a very illuminating conversation. And um, yeah. I just really, really enjoyed talking with you. So thank you so much.
0: Yeah, Kelsey, thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, and I always enjoy hang, hanging out with you in whatever form that may be. So. <laughs> right that's great thanks
2: thank you
1: a special thanks to neil for taking time out of his busy schedule to be on the show we will share a link to Susco solutions website so you can learn more about their work we remain in phase two of the jefferson back to business plan this is a comprehensive vision for reopening the jefferson parish economy you can find the Jefferson back to business plan on our website at jedco.org COVID-19 updates. That page has a ton of resources, checklists and information available for businesses as they navigate the transition into and through phase two. If this is your first time tuning into the show, there are plenty more episodes where this one came from. Our episodes are released on Thursdays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you stream your favorite shows. If you like our show, feel free to leave us a rating or a review. Those reviews help others find our show and listen in. We share links to all of our episodes on our social media platforms. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at jedco underscore news and on Facebook at Jefferson Parish Economic Development. You can also visit our website at jedco.org. If you have feedback about the show, or if you'd like to recommend a guest, please email me at kscram at jedco.org. I love to hear from you. As always, thank you so much for listening. See you back here next week.